ladies and gentlemen, we are here. <laughs> Might as well just go straight into it because I've never, we've never had this many Zoom issues. <laughs> never. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's probably Roland Garros's fault. Probably. Because why else would there be a struggle with getting us to be able to just talk via Zoom when we've done it several times? So many at this point. So many. Um, I guess I should introduce you, right? I, I'm I'm trying to get back into the podcast swagger. I'm, I'm like, Miles, what do you what do you normally do? <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mr. Brian Hudson, the one and only, the jet setter, the frequent friend to the uh, to the show and to the podcast, the original guest, the one that knows all, probably no, more than me. But here we are. Back to talk. Another RG. Oh, my God, that rhymed, and I should be a rapper. <laughs> where, did my, where did my Google Chrome go so I can pull up these actual draws so we can get into them? Okay. So well, if you can't tell by now. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. I'm, you're, you are an uh, official friend to the show, um, <laughs> and you are more than welcome to come share your thoughts when I ask or when I don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> lifetime membership. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I kind of want a lifetime membership for Zoom Pro so we can avoid these issues in the past or in the future. Uh, That'd be great. Okay, guys, let's dig into the 2022 edition of Roland Garros, the second Grand Slam of the year. Um, anything you wanted to mention before we kind of dig into the draws, Brian? Uh, no, let's just go right into it. Okay, I'll let you pick. Should we start with men's singles or women's singles? I mean, I feel like we have to go with the men. I feel like there's just a lot of excitement happening with this year's. So I, I'm, I'm excited to start off with the men. Y'all can't see my face, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this year's Roland Garros is marked by... Um, Rafael Nadal's search of an all-time record 22 Grand Slam titles, right? That's one of the headlines coming in amongst, uh, amongst others. Um, Nadal is a 13-time champion. Not the defending champion, however. The defending champion is Novak Djokovic and current world number one, who's also trying to tie um, the all-time record of 21 set by Nadal at this past Australian Open. So, there's some heavy headlines going into this French Open to match the heavy trophy that they hand out on the last Sunday. So uh, let's just go to the seeds. And, of course, number one seed, Novak Djokovic. Number two, surprisingly, uh, is, number, is Daniel Medvedev, who was formerly the world number one player in the world for a couple of weeks there in February and or March. When it, when Djokovic yeah. didn't when Djokovic couldn't decide if he wanted to get vaccinated or didn't and <laughs> he, was, he was deported or not deported it was it was, Ooh, it was a shit show. but Medvedev has actually been out um, with a hernia he took a break after Miami and only played one clay court tournament and in that clay court tournament he played it was this week actually in Geneva and he lost to Richard Gasquet which is mildly respectful of a loss like respectable loss mildly. Yeah. <laughs> very mild. Very mild. <laughs> it's not, I mean, there are players you could have lost to. I'd be like, woo, is your game even still going to come back? But I mean, 
we've, we've known, well, if you don't know, Medvedev has likened playing on clay to rolling around in dirt like a dog. Um, he doesn't really enjoy it. However, he did make the quarterfinals here last season, so he's de- he's defending quarterfinal points. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I totally I totally forgot that he was a player for <laughs> the last couple of weeks because he's been out. Uh, so the fact that he's coming back, I mean, I feel like he has very low expectations. So not his favorite service, and he's coming back off injury. So not we'll see what happens. We'll put it that way. He doesn't like the surface, and I don't particularly love watching him on the surface because I know he doesn't like it. <laughs> and right. it's just not the – it doesn't have the same je ne sais quoi when he's, like, he's walking around on a hard court, you know? So, yeah, good luck to, good luck to him. Uh, number three seed, Alexander Zverev. Number four well, – I'm just going to name the top eight seeds. Uh, number three okay. seed, Alexander Zverev. Four, Stefano Tsitsipas. Five, Rafael Nadal, and that is a freaking crime that the winner of this tournament times 13 is the number five seed. I know that he is closer to four or five in the official rankings um, than number one, but just based off of his history, he's played over 100 matches at this tournament and only lost three officially. It's pretty remarkable, and I know that I know Wimbledon used to do like the, the special seedings based off surface. I because clay is so different. I feel like they should think about doing something similarly. So things like this, they can avoid situations like this with having so many of the top guys in the same section. But it is what it is. They know what they wanted. They wanted people to look at this draw and be like, "Oh wait, all of these players, the some of the most informed players of the season, can meet before the finals because that's going to push." like revenue for them and like media mentions and all that stuff instead of like just waiting until the final Sunday and then they get that burst of engagement or whatever. They knew what they were doing. (laughs) They knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then number six seed, Carlos Alcaraz. Number seven seed, Andre Rublev. Oh, just a a, a quick, a a quick note because I'm looking at the fact that Medvedev and Rublev literally don't have flags next to their name. Um, Shout out to them for being able – I mean, this might come off weird, but shout out to them for being able to play through that. And I know it's their country that's doing the invasion, but they're – those two – I'm just using them as an example because those are the, the highest-ranked Russian players on the men's side. They're getting penalized, and we, we, we both – me and I mentioned today as we, as we, before we recorded this – that Wimbledon dropped the news, or not Wimbledon, excuse me. Well, the news has been dropped that Wimbledon is going to be banning Russian and Belarusian players because of the war going on in Ukraine. But today, additionally to to that, or in addition to that, excuse me, the ATP said that they were going to be removing all ranking points from the competition, almost to create a standoff between the ATP and the uh, forces and power that Wimbledon has. Uh, what do you what do you think about it? Yeah, ATP like made their stand, and then WTA like quickly follows through. Like, yeah, we're gonna do it too. Um, I I like the spirit of it, and the fact of like they want to stand up behind their stand up for their players and for doing what's what's right and what they feel is right. Um, so I like that they're trying to do something. I don't think this was the best decision <laughs> because. Wimbledon 
is very steeped in history and tradition, and I don't see them changing their minds with such a short time frame turnaround <laughs> until the tournament happens. Like maybe if it was like months away, I could see like maybe chipping away at them and like maybe getting to resolution. But Wimbledon is what like a month away at this point. It, so late June, early July. So yeah, it'll be it'll be yeah. done before j- my birthday. So yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, four or five weeks away at this point. I don't think in that short time frame, hearing that they're not going to work, ranking points is going to inspire them to change their mind. So I think this is only going to be hurting the players, unfortunately, who could benefit from those points. I think the people, the players are still going to play. I don't think this is going to convince them to not play. So I don't think it was all the way well thought out, but I mean, the... (laughs) Uh, they tried, but I, I think that there were maybe some other things that potentially could have been more effective. As what a, it is, I don't know, but yeah. Like, as a professional tennis player, I'd be laughing at this this whole entire world I've, like, gotten myself into, where, like, the the four most important tournaments that there are to play in this sport can't get on one accord with the association that represents the players and they don't speak right. to each other. Like, there's this, this this whole situation. First of all, it's unfortunate that Wimbledon thought that that would be the right idea based off of the, the war in Russia to ban the Russian and Belarusian players who, as far as Not I'm concerned, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't start the war. It's, 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 a, it's a byproduct of where they were born. Like, Medvedev and Rublev were born in Russia. So why wouldn't they represent the Russian flag when they're playing international sports? Why wouldn't anybody that was born in that country represent um, that country? But that doesn't mean that if my country does something like, like invade another country, I should be held responsible for, for, for that happening. I'm not in the government. It's just, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I can, I can see them wanting for morale reasons to stand with Ukraine. I just don't, I don't, I don't know who, this doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit, well, it makes people want to tune in to see what happens at Wimbledon in a, in a way. So I guess Wimbledon is still ultimately winning because people are mentioning hashtag Wimbledon over and over online conver- in online conversations. And like we're talking about it now, but it just doesn't help the players. And the I good thing, I will say one person who does benefit. Who? Miss Sabalenka <laughs> making the finals last year. Because if if ranking points were included, she probably, she probably would have dropped out of the top ten because she would have gotten all those points as a finalist and not being. She was, she was a semifinalist. Oh, semi. Who did she lose to again? Pliskova, of all people. Pliskova. So losing all those semifinalist points <laughs> that would. De- so she's, I feel like she's the big winner in all of this because that's that's a whole bunch of points she won't have to de- defend. But, I guess. Um, well, let's just let's just be happy that the French Open is awarding points ac- accurately and abundantly. I guess. N- never thought I'd be looking forward to the French Open for what they're doing right. Usually, they're always doing something wrong. Um, and yeah. I, did I, I don't think I mentioned the last the last top eight seed, Casper Ruud of Norway. Thank God Norway is not in the war. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's just actually grab, uh, those top eight seeds and look at their section of the draws. And then we'll kind of, uh, feed through some, maybe some, some hot Cheeto matches, even though okay. looking at the draw, there aren't many on, on either side, <laughs> men or women, there aren't many matches like very first round that make me want to sit down and with, with the, with the bowl of popcorn or hot Cheetos or whatever, I say hot Cheetos because I, like, I actually like hot sauce in my popcorn. That's so random. But um, 
there aren't that many matches that make me want to be excited for the first couple days of play because they're first rounds. But with that being said, Djokovic opens up his campaign of defending the championship against lefty Yoshito Nishioka of Japan. Definitely a winnable match. He gets the winner of Alexander. I was going to say Mokin was his countryman, but Mokin is from Slovakia. Yikes. Um, That, that little (laughs) section of course, Djokovic anchors that section, um, or that quarter, I should say. He anchors that quarter as number one seed. And if the seeds are holding, number 31 seed Jensen Brooksby's in there. That they could possibly meet in the third round. And then also number 15 seed Diego Schwartzman, who's a former semifinalist here. Um, they could meet in the fourth round. Nobody looking at this draw gives me gives me concern that on even their best day, they're going to be able to challenge Djokovic over five sets. What about you? Do you think anything different? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not seeing it either. <laughs> not on play. I mean, I mean, you got, you got, you got Dimitrov in there as well, who can like make a splash from time to time, but on clay, Novak's getting through this section very easily. Novak should definitely be in the quarterfinal where things get a little bit more tricky. I mean, he, he comes in, we, we both kind of realize what form he's in just to kind of paint the picture of where Djokovic has been uh, before the French open. He just won Rome. He got to the semis, I believe of Madrid where he lost to Carlos in that pretty epic three set match. And then um, before that, his, his, his game was a little spotty. He got to the final of the Serbian open in his home country and lost to Rublev. Uh, with a bagel in the third set. And that was kind of right around the time where he was figuring Not out. the bagel. I mean, I enjoyed the bagel. It was it was a nice, hearty bagel. <laughs> I like bagels, too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially against Djokovic. I'm, you know, I don't know if I've, if I've publicly said this, but I'm, I'm, um, I still don't like him. I don't, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't. But I'm, I'm lowering, I'm lowering my. His name. My my disdain. I just don't even have it in me to be this to be as disdainful of him. Like whatever. I'm just banking. I'm just waiting for him to retire at this point. Honestly, like that'll be when I can let out all of my like. Thank God this this guy is gone. But neither here. That's neither here nor there. I mean, he's he's the number one seed. He's currently playing like it, and will likely be in the conversation late in the tournament. So. That's Djokovic for you. And then he gets the if, – if seeds hold, he would face Nadal in the quarterfinals. So let's go through Nadal's section of the draw really quickly. Um, he opens against Australian Jordan Thompson. Winnable match. Um, he does come in, though. The huge question mark with Nadal is the foot injury. Right. Watching his last match in Rome where he lost to Shapovalov, he was uh, grimacing and just trying to fight through to finish that match on his bad foot. I don't know the exact name of the um, condition he's had in his foot. He's had it basically his whole entire career. But I remember him saying, or I read somewhere, that the pandemic, the break that we took, um, or the the tennis tours took in the middle of 2020 uh, because of COVID, was great for some parts of his body, but not great for his foot. Um, Which is interesting how the body works, because he... Uh, maybe maybe because your feet are constantly moving, your body kind of doesn't know that it has that like syndrome to it. I don't know. I can't really explain it. But based off of based off what he's been 
uh, playing like and like just talking in his in his post match press conference after that loss in Rome, it's hard to completely bank on what Nadal we're going to see at this French Open. I I, I think right. we're going to see an extremely motivated one, but the For foot sure. the foot is just such a like it's his health, you know. The foot is such an outlier. What do you what do you what do you think? I mean, he could possibly face Warenka in the second round, but that matchup doesn't really cause that many problems for him. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like that match was what ten days ago from the start of the the French Open. Um, I'm I'm not going into it very optimistically, but we have seen it all play through pain in the past, and obviously, like. I'm sure he can get some sort of painkillers or something to, to numb it or to make it so it's not as big of a pain for him. But also, obviously, you have best three out of five. Fortunately, you do have the breaks every other day to hopefully, like, you know, recuperate and rehab in between matches. But can he do it? Obviously, he can. He's done it 13 times. It's just going to be a little bit tougher this year. But he, he definitely can do it. Is it is it weird that a part of me wishes we didn't have to see him suffer? I mean, that's a valid point. <laughs> he's like he's he's been he's been entertaining for so long. I don't want to see him limping around the court. That's not what I want right. to see. You no, know? right. So yeah. hopefully, 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 the days off in between matches allow him to recuperate. He can get his limping out then, and then come back to the court ready to be the bull that he is. Um. In that same section of the quarter, we have uh, Felix Auger Aliassime, who surprisingly has never won his opening round match at the French Open. This is really? about, yeah, um, he and Felix, excuse me, Felix, he and Francis have never won their opening round match at the French Open. And they both, um, what? isn't that interesting? For, for, as athletic, for as athletic as they are, they've both made like, clay court finals on the ATP tour, neither of them have been able to manage to win three sets in their first round match. Um, but Felix opens up against a qualifier from Poland who I've literally never heard of, Varias, JP, Juan Pablo. Oh, excuse me. Why did I say Poland? He's from Peru. Juan Pablo Varias. <laughs> He's from Peru. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I've never heard of him either. Yeah. Sorry, Peruvian uh, listeners. <laughs> and then he could possibly get Karatsev in the second round. That's tricky, but Karatsev doesn't have anywhere near the same like juice that he had at the beginning of last season. Um, also, Riley Opelka is in there as a number 17 seed. If seeds hold, that's Felix's possible third round. And, you know, I, all things considered, I feel like this is a draw for both Nadal and Felix to work their way through. But it's 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 interesting that that would be a fourth round match. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Mm-hmm. It'd be, I think it'd that could be, be good. Yeah, I mean, Felix had a very disappointing hard court season this year, to say the least. Like so many first round losses to people he should not have lost to. Um, but then he really picked it up during the clay court season. So. I'm optimistic that he can keep the momentum on clay and I didn't think he would be, his game would be so suited for clay, but he seems to be comfortable on it and has has some sort of momentum going. So hopefully he can make a deep run here. It's been spotty. His season has been spotty. Um, We finally got the first title off of our backs. We won our first ATP title in Rotterdam in February. 
we got to the final of the very next tournament after that. But since then, like Indian Wells and Miami were both bust. And then Monte Carlo, he played in Barcelona, weren't great results. But he finally started picking up in a little bit in Rome. And I think he played, he was, he was the number one seed in a tournament in Morocco, the tournament David Goffin won. And he, lo- he lost before the quarters of that tournament. So his, his, there's been spotty results where he's lost to players where you're just like, Felix, what are you – you know you're better than this guy, right? <laughs> so hopefully the right, right Felix shows up to the French Open and can hold his seat and at least show up to the match with uh, Nadal. Because there's some factors in there, like um, I'm Nadal's uncle, Uncle Tony, is coaching Felix Auger-Aliassime now. So that would be like an interesting dynamic for that matchup. So hopefully we get to see it. Come on, Felix. Do your, do, do your thing. Hold your seat. <laughs> Uh, let's right. see. Um, I guess we can get into Zverev's quarter. Do we? Do we want to give Zverev? Let's let's make sure we give him as little time as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he opens up against a qualifier. Let me make sure this this qualifier is not from uh, is is from Peru or Poland. Why do so many of these flags look alike? Like the Peruvian flag looks very similar ish to the Austrian flag. And that's who Zverev plays, a qualifier from Austria who I've never heard of. Um, and there's, there's quite a few qualifiers this season who I've literally never heard of that made the draw. Um, his section, he should get through his section. I mean, he's still in that top half of the draw where he'd have to go through Nadal or Djokovic to get to the final, but he should be through to the fourth round. The, the highest seed next to him is Taylor Fritz. That's who he's supposed to meet in the fourth round. Taylor Fritz is nowhere near as comfortable on clay as he is on other surfaces. Um, Davidovich, I mean, he's got, he got ADF. Yeah. I just coined that, I just coined that one. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, Alejandro, is it Alejandro? Yeah, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, who got to the finals of Monte Carlo this season, um, and he right. beat Djokovic along the way. So that'll be interesting third round if that happens. But for the most part, he should get through this section, unfortunately. I mean, Isner, Isner lurks. Uh, shout out to Michael Moe. Um, Michael Moe actually won the USTA Roland Garros Challenge. Um, um, he got enough points between his challenger level results and ATP level results um, and beat out some actually interesting names to get that coveted wildcard spot. And he faces a qualifier in the first round. So we'll see what happens. Although it's a Spanish qualifier and putting qualifier and Spanish flag and the fact that this player has three <laughs> names, I feel like, I feel like it's going to be a grind session <laughs> for Michael Mo. Sorry, Mo. Definitely. <laughs> so, um, we haven't even picked who we're going to make to the quarterfinals. We'll do, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. Um, and then on the bottom half of Zverev's quarter is Carlos Alcaraz, the wonder kid himself, the hottest player on the tour. By Zverev's mind, the best player in the world right now. That's what he said. Um, he's the number six seed and opens up against a lucky loser from Argentina uh, in the first round, who, again, I've never heard of. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, there is an interesting um, seed and player in his section who he's actually lost to this season, Sebastian Corda. Sebastian Corda and Alcaraz played in Monte Carlo, and that was that was Alcaraz right off the heels of winning that that first huge tournament of his career in Miami. So I'd be interested to see what that matchup looks like over five sets, but I still think Alcaraz is the heavy favorite to not only get through this section. I mean, also Cam Norris in that section. He's a pretty good dirt baller himself. Interestingly enough, 
Dominic Team is in this section. Mm-hmm. He opens up against uh, Hugo Delian of Bolivia. Dominic Team is still searching for a form, so I'm not really banking on much for, from him. But he does love these courts. He's been to the finals twice, so maybe some right. kind of maybe maybe some kind of magic happens. But if he if he comes up against Alcaraz, let's say the 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 momentum for Alcaraz would be would be ginormous, you know, overwhelming. <laughs> so. Yeah. Alcaraz should get to the date where he meets Zverev to possibly set up that Nadal and or Djokovic semifinal. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) there are hurdles along the way from that happening, but um, as, as exciting as that is, I feel like it's going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I don't know, so. I, it, yeah. it, it's going to be interesting to see who in that Alcaraz, uh, Djokovic, and the Doll trio of like the the players that come in with the most likelihood of winning. Who gets pushed where and where they get pushed along the routes to facing each other. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Then we got the bottom half of the draw. Let's go all the way down to the bottom and start with. Uh, Number two seed Medvedev's quarter. He opens up against Facundo Bagnis of Argentina. I don't know why I said his name like that. Every, every single match that Medvedev plays, if, if he goes deep in this tournament, which, mind you, before last year when he made the quarterfinal, he had never won a match at Roland Garros either. So he's, he's halfway familiar with not winning and also familiar with going home early. So I don't even right. know where to I – don't, I don't know where to – begin with my expectations but all things considered he should be able to meet the third round now if the seeds hold he would face number 28c kesmanovich who's been having the best season of his career um and definitely and definitely knows how to play on clay so Mm -hmm. i'd probably would take kesmanovich beating medvedev at this point at this point agreed i don't i don't see him getting past kesmanovich even Carino Busta, if the seeds hold until the fourth round, Carino Busta is pr- a very comfortable on clay too, and he could just wear Medvedev down. Because I mean, I mean, being out with the hernia for a couple of months, I'm sure his conditioning is not 100 where he'd like it. So there's a whole bunch of factors right. as to why um, Medvedev might be going back home a little early. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see. Oh, shout out to two French players. One of them is in this section and faces Pablo Carina Boost in the first round. He got a wild card into the tournament. Gilles Simon, this is the last time he's playing the French Open as he has uh, announced his retirement at the end of the season. And also retiring at, the, at this tournament, he's playing as the very last match of his career, is Joe Wilfred Sanga. Shout out to those Frenchmen. You made it sound like he had no chance against Rude. <laughs> I mean. He said playing his very last match of his career. He hasn't won a match in, in, in a while. And Casper Rude is, is currently in the final of Geneva. So I feel like, yeah. I, I, I feel like odds are he's not going to. He might win a set. He might win a set. And that's so that's so unfortunate because you know, like I mean, so, for me personally, Sanga more so than Gio Simon has been super entertaining throughout all of yeah. my all of my tennis watching life. So to kind of see him go out like this is a, is a little sad. But I mean, 
He had a great career. I actually randomly, you know, I think he's won 17 titles on the ATP tour. 13 of them have been on indoor hard courts or in, indoor tournaments. Who even knew that we had that many indoor tournaments left? And he, he basically he basically won every indoor tournament there was to win in tennis during his <laughs> during his time period as a professional. That's so crazy to me. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, definitely sad to see him go. He's such a good player. Yeah. Super entertaining. And I mean, the last black man to be in a, a Grand Slam final. So somebody has some 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 interestingly large shoes to fill. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Looking at your face like, damn, it's been that long? <laughs> I'm like trying to think. Yeah, I guess. Man, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's it won't gonna, be Gael because he's out. Of oh yeah, Gael isn't playing this tournament. Uh, he had a a, a a heel spur or something that's allowing him, that's not allowing him to move the way he wants to. You know, his game is all around his movement. So uh, he's and also expecting. He's also expecting. Yeah, him <laughs> and uh, Alina Svitolina announced they're having a baby girl. Nice. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shout out no, really, congratulations to them. I've I've never like got up off of my couch and clapped for them as a couple. They don't they don't, you know, they don't wet my whistle. But hey, if they're in love and I love it for them. I love it for them. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's see. Let's move on to oh wait, let's finish out that Medvedev quarter because uh Rublev is is the number seven seed. Like I said, I don't really even see Medvedev getting to the quarterfinals, but if he were, no, he would face he'd face Rublev. Um, and, you know, I always I, when I think about Rublev and Clay Courts, I always think about the interesting quote he gave where he was like, oh, Clay Court tennis is real tennis. But his results haven't been outstanding on the red clay. They haven't, you know. Not he's no. not incapable of playing. He just actually won the Serbian Open. Like I mentioned earlier, he beat Djokovic in the final. But that's not where his results shine the most. So I'm interested to see where he takes that mentality like into this into this particular tournament cuz this the small section he's in if the seeds hold like I feel like I've said if the seeds hold 17 times in this episode um <laughs> he'd face 11 seed Yannick Sinner and I think Sinner made the quarterfinals in 2020 that was like his breakout um so Sinner is 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 not a stranger to the clay in Paris there's Tommy Paul, who actually, for an American, he plays well on the dirt. Um, mm-hmm. So Rublev, now that I look at it, Rublev should be making it to the fourth round, as should center. There's not too many people, I mean, there's not too many people that could, that could stop them. I mean, Rublev does play uh, Sun Woon, Kwan Sun Woo, excuse me, of Korea. And he's not a slouch. He is a top, his highest ranking is 52 so he's like slouch adjacent, not a not, not a full slouch. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking so of center, the center's the opening round. Is are Bjorn and Maddie still together? Frantangelo, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Frantangelo's yeah. pulling his weight. He's pulling his weight and bringing in that first round prize money check. <laughs> better. You better. You better pay the bills. Oh man. Uh, okay. Want to move on to the first rounder? Yeah. Move on. Want to move on to the last quarter? Let's do it. Sitsipas, number four seed. Now, this is a very interesting first round. He, he, very. There literally have not been – actually, this little section he's in has two good first-round matchups that I'd that watch. Um, he plays Lorenzo Musetti, Sitsipas does, 
And Musetti is uh, famous for taking two sets off of Djokovic last season at the French Open before he retired and his body kind of gave out on him. But he's a very talented young Italian player. His, uh, his results have been spotty. Uh, he beat Felix at Monte Carlo, I believe. So that's been his, his, one of his great wins for the clay court season. And he likes clay. So I, I do feel like, though, if Sissipas can get through that challenge, very good draw to potentially go all the way to his second Roland Garros final. So um, the floodgates are wide open for him. We'll put it that way. You said the what? The floodgates are wide open. I mean, he dodged a bullet. He dodged a bullet by not being on that same side of the draw with Alcaraz, Djokovic, and Nadal, and Zverev. So I, if, if, if things go according to seeds, see how I switch that up and say if seeds and hold. <laughs> <laughs> he would put Casper Rude, the number eight seed in the quarterfinals, who Casper Rude super who's super comfortable on clay, but interestingly enough, has never been past the third round of the French Open yet in his career. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. And he has some interesting uh, challenges should he get to the third round. He, uh, we, we mentioned his opening round match against Joe Wilford's Sanga. You know he has, uh, he potentially has Rusevori in the second round. I have no idea uh, why I like Rusevori. I think it's just his name. His name is, his name is really easy to say. And then Herkash, um, is number 12 seed, and that's who Rude could play in the fourth round, potentially. I'm looking at Tiafo's seed, right? He's a 24 seed, Francis Tiafo. Like we said earlier, he's never won a first-round match at the French Open. If he does not beat Benjamin Banzai... That's not, that's not a good look. It's not a good look. I'm going to be forced to go to Instagram and be like, hey, Francis, what's up? Uh, like, I mean, because at least Felix has only played in two French Opens. Like, Francis has played in seven. Yep. 0-7. That's not a good look. And, and Benjamin Banzai, is, he, he's a 25-year-old from France. I don't know much about him. But he's been to the, the second round of the French Open twice. So make that make sense for me. Make the, I, I, I'd, like, I'd like to make that make sense. How the 24th seed in this tournament never been past the first round, but is playing somebody who's gotten wins at the French Open before. It's just, Tiafo is, is, is mind-boggling in some ways. We'll just hope he has a good tournament. At the very minimum, I want him to win three sets in his first round match. And after that, everything is cake after that. Everything else is up. Yeah, everything else is up because that, that's that's something he's never been able to do. Win three sets in his first round match. So, we'll, house money after that. House, literally, he's not even defending. He's not even defending first round points. Just everything else is golden after that. Um, mm-hmm. That's the men's draw, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm like, interested to see the if if the room can look to the hype. He has Shapovalov in the first round. That could be interesting potentially. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that that in that in that Sitsipas uh, section, that was the other uh, popcorn match for the first round. Fourteen seed Shapovalov, fourteen seed Shapovalov versus uh, Holger Rune of Denmark, who won his first title yeah. of the year on clay, or the first first title of his of his uh, career on clay earlier in Munich. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say they kind of look alike. <laughs> it's very, it's very. Turn my head around, turn my head around, and listen. Exactly, like they both, they both have the blonde hair, the the um, backwards cap, the Nike sponsorship, mm-hmm. the like kind of intense. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like looking at their photos side by side. I'm like, they could be brothers. Honestly, Rune might win that match. I know I, I, he, I don't know if he retired in um, Lyon, but I think he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he played the Lyon tournament that's being held this week in Paris, the ATP 250. He, uh, he was cramping at the end of his match. I think he squeaked it out. But Shapovalov is one of those players that, Never know. You just he could he could very well end up losing that match, honestly. And Hogar, it, it would it would be mildly respect respectable because Hogarun is a player that a lot of people see doing great things uh, moving forward. But um, you're the 14 seed, my guy. Like, <laughs> or yeah. I, I know he's pissed going back to Wimbledon because the 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 majority of his points on his ranking come came from that semifinal at Wimbledon. So I wonder how he feels about about the All England Club being like. No Russians in the ATP, given no points. That's interesting. So weird. Whatever. Well, shouldn't it not really affect him? Because basically, won't he just keep those points? Yeah, but I wonder. I wonder if it's going to be if he's going to have the same motivation. I guess for for all the players, because the points aren't. I, I I feel like people play for the prestige of 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 particularly at that tournament, the prestige of winning Wimbledon and the experience of playing Wimbledon. But the points also matter because, I mean, you're, you're, in a, you're constantly in a race. So, weird. Um, I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to want to win regardless. But I get what you're saying as far as, like, I think it'll help because he just won't have the pressure of, like, oh, if I lose, I'm going to be outside the top 25. So he doesn't – he can play with a little bit freer. A little house money, not the whole house, but a little. Yeah. <laughs> so did you, make a, did you make a pick for your champion or your, your, your who do you think is going to be in the final? Let's say that. I, you know what? I'm going to go with Alcaraz. I'm going to go with Alcaraz, Steph, final. And um, I'll pick Alcaraz winning his first Grand Slam. Why not? Alcaraz versus who in the final? Steph. Sitsipas, oh yeah, Alcaraz currently owns that head to head for the most part. Um, yeah, I don't. Do I even want to make picks for the final? <laughs> like it would. I, I was. I tweeted the other day that it would be really, really nice for a change to have a, a shock winner on the men's side. Like, yes, for history's sake, it would be nice to see Joker. Never mind. It'd be nice oh. to see. It'd be nice to see Nadal win another record-breaking French Open. And I guess from a historical race to be the GOAT perspective, it would be quote-unquote nice to see Djokovic win. And yes, it would also be nice to see the crowning of a, of a new player and, and Alcaraz winning. But something in me would like to see, like imagine randomly if Karen Hatchinoff wins. I mean, we haven't seen that in like what twenty years, probably. I would like to see it. <laughs> like, we we, don't, we just don't. Get, I mean, we get it every we get like one or two a season on the WTA, but uh, on ATP, it's, it's been decades since we've had just a shot. Literally, two thousand four, Gaston Gaudio, the French Open. Maybe maybe twenty 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 four. There'll be another shock winner since this happens every twenty years. But you know, I, yeah, Gaudio. Was Gaudio seated or no? I think he was, but not highly. But still a shot. Yeah. Still a shot. Yeah. In the in the mm-hmm. era of Roger Federer, it was a shot. True. Yeah. I think I'll mirror your 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 Stefanos Alcaraz uh, prediction. We actually might get a Djokovic Sissipas uh, 
final again. And if that happens, I'm definitely pulling for Sissipas. But if we get an Alcaraz, if we get an Alcaraz Sissipas final, I'm pulling for Alcaraz. Poor Nadal. I just want to. I just want to see how that foot is holding up, man. Yeah. Oh, but at least he won a he won a Grand Slam this year, so all is not lost. You know, he started the season off better than anybody. So I mean, you know, you know that's true. That, that has to count for something. That's count for something. That's very true. So oh, he was ranked forty. Gaudio was ranked forty fourth and was unseated. Really? At the French Open. Who's currently ranked forty four in the world? Let's go look at the men's draw real quick. <laughs> Please, like Pablo Cuevas, win the whole thing. <laughs> Sebastian Baez, win the whole thing. Wow, he beat Hewitt. He beat now Bandian. He beat Coria. He beat a lot of good people. That'd be so much more interesting to watch for me. Like a new, like the same way on the women's side. We're going to switch over to the women's draw in a second. The same way on the women's side, every year there's this name that kind of comes. Like if, if you're really into tennis, you may have heard the name before, but then they do this really huge thing at a really huge tournament and they all of a sudden become in the mix. That doesn't happen on the men's side. And I feel like just a little sprinkling of that would help me be more uh, uh, excited and anxious for men's tournaments, like the like the majors and stuff. So. I don't know. Like that wild card option. We don't really have that on the men's side. Every- I don't even really watch ATP matches until the second week. <laughs> <laughs> They're all boring. Yeah. I think the most interesting one was uh, that Sarundalo kid getting to the uh, semis of Miami this year. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, looking at the women's draw, this is the first French Open since 2011 to feature neither. Venus or Serena Williams. Fun. Fun. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, very fun. And then just for, just for shits and giggles, now if this actually happens, I promise you this podcast will cease to exist because I, no, I will no longer be watching tennis. Angelique Kerber is attempting to complete the career Grand Slam. I am going on record now. She's in the final of Strasbourg. And you know, Krychikova got to the final, or she won Strasbourg last year. Went on to win the French Open. If Kerber even sniffs, <laughs> even sniffs the final, I promise you, it will not be a pretty day. It will not. It will not be pretty. It will not at all. At all. Oh man! Totally left field. Like, and that's so interesting. I was just talking about how I want a left field winner on the men's side. Kerber can't beat it on the women's side. No. <laughs> Anybody, almost anybody, but Kerber. Not the one I'm, not the, not the outlier I'm looking for at all, at all. Uh, so let's get into this women's draw. Top eight seeds, the number one seed and the overwhelming favorite to bring home the title, world number one, Iga Swiatek, who's holding that world number one off the backs. I hate that I have to mention this, but it just is what it is. She got that world number one uh, off the backs of the shock retirement of uh, Ash Barty, who had just won the Australian Open this year. So. But to say that she kind of got that um, that number one seed based off of somebody's retirement, not solely based, but heavily based off of somebody's retirement, she's been, she's been holding the, the, the number one player spot down very well during tour matches. I mean, she's... she's hasn't she's, lost. Yeah, she hasn't lost since she's become world number one. She's 28-0, champions, champions in Indian Wells, Miami, Stuttgart, and Rome. So she's playing lights out tennis, and I don't think she's lost a. She didn't lose a set in Rome, and she hasn't lost a set since the semifinals of Stuttgart. So she's doing something right. Mm-hmm. 
more than more than something right. And she was an overwhelming favorite. Yeah, like she's odds, a, lot, a lot right. <laughs> odds, odds makers favorite to lift the trophy. And her second uh, Roland Garros, because remember, she won it in 2020. Um, number two seed, Barbora Krajcikova, who's also defending champion. Can't believe she's actually number two seed this time around because she won it unseeded last year. Crazy how a year changes things. Um, number three seed from Spain, Paula Badosa. Number four seed, Maria Sachoki. Sorry, Maria Sakari. Oh. <laughs> Maria Sakari. Sorry. Sorry, Maria. I like you, but we, we got to call a thing a thing. Um, <laughs> five seed, Annette Contevit from Estonia. Six seed, Anj Jabor from Tunisia. <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy saying Anj Jabor's name. The first time I ever even got a glimpse of Anj Jabor, I might have told this story before. She was like the Indian Wells shot of the day back in 2015. She had like a running backhand against Wozniak. And I was like, I like her. <laughs> it, it took a little while for her to be like, you know, a prominent name in the sport. But I, I like I like Anj Jabor. Um, in a number seven seed, rounding out, rounding out the top eight is uh, Belarusian Sabalenka and Pliskova, Carolina Pliskova at number eight. So let's go through their sections. Um, anything you wanted to mention before we dig into the women's draw? Um, I don't see anyone beating Svantec. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... no, I don't. I, it's hard to en- it's hard to envision somebody beating Svantec because it's been. I the can't last, picture it. Yeah, it's. I don't see who it would be. The last person to beat her, though, is in her section. Yelena Ostapenko was the last person to beat her, and she beat her in Dubai. But Ostapenko had hit like a purple patch, like she normally does, because she only Ostapenko either plays well <laughs> or she doesn't. So if Ostapenko is, if for if some for some reason Ostapenko puts it together in number one seed, Swiatek. If the seeds hold, that's who they would. That's who would play in the fourth round. Ostapenko and Sviatek. Ostapenko definitely has the game to bother Sviatek. It's just, a, it's just such a a, a wild card. If she's gonna, if she's, it's yeah. a toss if she's gonna make it there. And and what's crazy is she's a former French Open champion. She won it in 2017. So at unseeded, nobody expected that at all. So that's that's mm-hmm. an interesting little sub note of Iga Swiatek's journey and then also interestingly enough the last woman to take a set off of her potentially could face in the third round and that's Ludmila Samsonova so that's mm-hmm. interesting but besides that she opens up against a qualifier in the in the in the uh, form that she's hit it's hard to see her getting stopped before the fourth round but what's interesting what I've been thinking about is she's been winning so much in straight sets. Yes. Like I said, Sam Sonova took a set off her and she was able to figure that out in that Stuttgart Stuttgart tournament. I'm interested to see what happens to her. If somebody comes out and does something different, like completely different against her. And if they have like the, the match of their life for an hour, is she going to be able to like withstand the, the barrage of whatever they're doing, you know, because mm-hmm. that is that is interesting factor. You know, I'm, I don't advocate for women to play best of five. However, I do think like in this scenario with Swiatek's winning streak, her winning streak would probably be even more. Um, it would be harder to break if she was playing best of five at the level she's playing because it gives you less margin or more margin for error you can like play sucky for the first hour and then get it together whereas if you play sucky for the first hour of a match in a three-setter match in a three-set match on wta side you're gonna have to have some serious things go your way to kind of claw out of that match you know so 
And one thing I, we didn't even mention is that it's, she could meet Ostapenko or Halep because that's a third round match. Uh, Halep versus Ostapenko. I know your favorite working with, uh, Mr. Morse Hogley. My eyes, my eyes didn't. I'm glad you mentioned that because my eyes didn't even see Halep's name, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, go her. Blaze right over. <laughs> yeah, just blaze right over Halep. I mean, again, Halep is a former champion, so that's interesting. There's three former champions in this little section alone. Um, Ostapenko, oh, yeah. Halep, and obviously Sviatek. I'd like no, I wouldn't. Halep can lose whenever she wants to lose. She can lose first round, actually. I was, I was going to say I'd like to see another Halep Sviatek fourth round, possibly, but no, I wouldn't. I would like I'm to see a Halep. To, uh... that's, why, that's why I had Halep and Ostapenko pulled up on my YouTube, because they could possibly meet in the third round. But I'd like to see Ostapenko win that, just for, just for the mess. I want to see Alizé versus uh, Ostapenko because <laughs> I feel like that's only going to bring drama and fireworks in the second round. Cornet doesn't have – I mean, Cornet did beat Halib at the Australian Open, but she doesn't, she doesn't bring enough to the court for me to explain why that head-to-head is the way it is. So I don't really mm, – like, it, don't get me wrong. If Cornet beats Halib, jumping for joy, but I don't, like, wake up – I don't roll over in the morning like, ooh, let me watch Halib and Cornet play. Absolutely not. Well, not Halep Cornet, uh, Cornet Ostapenko. Oh, Cornet Ostapenko. Because they're both just dramatic. (laughs) Cornet is liable to just take off her top in the middle of the match. (laughs) Uh, So let's go down to the the bottom part of this uh, Swiatek quarter, uh, anchored by number eight seed Carolina Pliskova, who... Can you really say anchored, though? Well, she she's the highest seed in 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 the section. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> no, has, I would not trust that anchor on my yeah <laughs> at all. But she has made the semifinals here before. She opens up against a French wild card whose last name I cannot pronounce and won't even attempt to. Mm-hmm. But that that same player, that wild card, she's a person of color and she's from so she's uh she's has Madagascarian descent or uh not Madagascar. Where, you know, yes, I was right. Madagascar. That's where she's from. So that's interesting. She kind of um, looks like a mix between Raducanu and Yara Shahidi to me. For some I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Well, hopefully she sees a win over Pliskova. Because um, <laughs> Pliskova, to me, like, she started the season off. Uh, I think her first match of the season was Indian Wells because she had a wrist injury at the top of the year that made that four start of the Australian Open. So this is a, her first grand slam of the season. Um, she made the semifinals of Strasbourg. She lost to Kaya Yuvan today. So she's trying to pick up form, but it's just so hard <laughs> to, to, to know what Pussy was going to do. And she's honestly not one of my favorites to watch, uh, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, in that section, the number 30 seed is Ekaterina Alexandrova, who's – who put together a solid clay court season. She went deep in Charleston and Madrid. I think she got to the semis of Madrid, I believe, or the quarters, one of those. Um, so that's, that's interesting. And then also, I, I think this is um, a surprise package that I'm warming up to in women's tennis. JPEG, Jessica Pagula. I like her. I like her a lot. I like her a lot. I love her game. She's very consistent. She, mm-hmm. she has weapons. She's She's, she's a fighter, too. And she's, the fact that she does not have to be out there because her family's a billion, 
<laughs> her dad's she could be doing family. anything with her time, anything with her time, but she's choosing to play professional. Right. She does have an interesting yeah. little section of the draw, though. She she um, opens up against Wang Chiang, who's unseated, but a former top uh, 20 players. Her career high is number mm-hmm. – uh, Wang Chiang's career high is number 12. Um, and then she faces the winner of – shout-out to American qualifier, the only woman uh, from America to qualify for the French Open this season, uh, Haley Baptiste. She has a tough opening round because she faces informed Ukrainian – Annalena Kalanina, another name I like to say really uh, like a, a, lot of, a lot of different times. Annalena Kalanina. She's unseated, but she has she had deep runs in Charleston and Madrid. Uh, I think she got to she the semis going. of Madrid as well. So she's having the best season of her career. So uh, add out to all the Ukrainian women. They've all been having like really strong seasons and not just everything going on. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> Very fair point. has <laughs> been having a Selena's been having a better time off of off of the court, being pregnant and such. And she's uh, because she's pregnant, she's not in this tournament. By the way, I had to say that. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a mildly boring section. Mildly, mildly boring. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll skip right over that. I, I have no idea who's going to come out of that section. It could be Pagula, could be Plushka, but it could be neither of them, honestly. Oh, uh, so who's why am I why am I not seeing this? What seed is number but is Bedosa? Is she the three seed? Three seed, yeah. Okay, so let's go to her quarter. She opens up against a French wild card, Fiona Farrow. I wanna say Fiona Farrow got to yeah, Fiona Farrow got to the fourth round of the French Open back in twenty twenty. And I liked her game. Something about her was very sporty and like She's a she's a good mover, so it's unfortunate that she has to rely again on a wild card to get into the tournament, but Right. I don't know. Maybe Bedosa, to say Bedosa is number three seed, she comes in with some question marks because every time I've watched her play, she's looked very listless, very like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm out here. I'm about to keel over. But sometimes she ends up winning that same match. So it's weird. I don't, I don't, I don't know where to put my feelings with Bedosa outside of, outside of the fact that I think that she's a really good player and I, and I think the clay suits her game very well. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens in this tournament. She, she could face... Kaya Yuvon in the second round, who's in the final of Strasbourg. Um, she could face Kuda Matova in the third round, the number 29 seed. Madison Keys is lurking in this section, as is uh, shout out to this mama, Taylor Townsend. This mama. Taylor Townsend opens up against, dang, Caroline, Caroline Garcia really was the number four player in the world at one point, and now she's unseated. <sighs> A fall from grace, I tell you. Um, but that's Paul Townsend is in this section. Also, is this her first major post? Yep. Um, nice. Yep. Guess we have to have her back. I think she. I think she has a really good shot over over Garcia, honestly. And if she wins that match against so. Garcia, and then she gets keys in the second round, and keys just have a bad has a bad day, which she's liable to have. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And then is at the at the end of this section. Rabakana is so boring. So boring. I really wish I had more to give to her, but she gives me nothing. She's even I, I didn't think anybody could be as more boring than Pliskova, but she is. At least on court. <laughs> at, at least on court. She's so boring. So boring. Um who else? And then at the uh the other end, the other end of, the, of this quarter that Bedosa's in. Uh, we have Daniel Collins, who's number nine seed, and the number seven seed Sabalenka. Uh, on this section again for for the first time in a while, there aren't many. There aren't really many interesting first round matchups. 
Not really, no. Like, like just that jump off the paper. Like, okay, that could be some fireworks. You know, uh, Kasakina's in this section. I think Kasakina is a dark horse to go far this tournament. I think Kasakina has been to the quarterfinals before of Roland Garros. Yep, she has in 2019. So, and she got to the semifinals of Rome. So, Kasakina is somebody to watch out for. Um, and then Sabalenka. What do you what do you think about Sabalenka these days? She really surprised me in uh was it Madrid that she had a deep run? Where did she have a deep run? Rome? Lost to Anisimova in Madrid and she had a, a deep she got to the semifinals of Rome, yep. Yeah, she really surprised me in Rome because her season had been so, so bad, just like couldn't serve, didn't really do much of anything. So the fact she was finally able to put it together at a one thousand was at least a little reassuring, <laughs> but uh, we'll see if she's able to keep that form or if she's going to flip back into what she was doing. So we'll see. It's about that serve. If her serve is getting in the box and not bouncing before it uh, touches the net, then I, I think she's in good form because she, uh, she has a kind of game where surface doesn't really matter. <laughs> like The ball is going to be yeah. hard and heavy. It matters, but not as much maybe against other players. So. Uh, yeah. Complete that that whole section is a complete toss up. Collins is a great is a great clay court player. She's been to the quarterfinals of the French Open before. Um, look for her to mix mm-hmm. to do, to do some damage. But again, another wide open section with anything to really happen. Um, bottom half, bottom half of the women's draw. Let's 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 wrap this up so we can prepare ourselves mentally to watch the French Open under seventeen. Uh-huh. Under 17 different paywalls. Um, <laughs> uh. Number two seed, Barbora Krajcikova opens up against uh, Diane Paris of, of France. Um, it's so hard to gauge what Krajcikova is going to be able to do because she hasn't played when since February. When was her last tournament? I want to say it was Dubai. She hasn't played since February. She missed, she missed the Indian Wells Miami swing, and she hasn't played any, any clay court tournament. Right. I mean, but she is a lot signed, of points. She is signed to Feli now. Yeah, like you said, she has a, a lot of points to defend. Um, but her draw is favorable. I mean, anytime you got any, anytime you could potentially have Kirstea or Stevens as your third round, you're doing pretty good. Um, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's the fact that anybody could beat her or she could be anybody because we just don't we don't know she's an unknown quantity when you go more and then even and then even for her quarterfinal it would be what azarenka that'd be fourth round oh well yeah even for a fourth round azarenka that's that's a pretty favorable draw yeah it is but that's that if if either one of them loses that section becomes wide open immediately Pretty much. Especially for Jill Teichman, but it's so hard to count on Jill Teichman. Every time I have thought Jill <laughs> was going to break through and be like, yep, that's the lefty I love, she doesn't do it. And again, Jill Teichman randomly has never won a first round match at the French Open. You said Jill Teichman hasn't? She's never won a first round of the French Open. She has no match wins in the main draw. How many has she played? Um, let's see. One. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she played it for the first time in 2020. Okay. Still, she deserves a Roland Garros win. She plays. She faces another lefty in the first round, Bernarda Pera, 
So that's kind of sort of interesting. But this section is super open. Sloane Stevens, if if Sloane Stevens had an ounce of I actually care about this sport left in her, she could do some damage in this draw based off of the the draw. But she could definitely be out to the first in the first round to the qualifier from Germany. She mm-hmm. she honestly could and probably will. Sorry, Sloane. Would love to have right. you on the show, but your current form is just not something to applaud, honestly. At all. Sending good vibes. Sending good vibes. Sending good vibes, yeah. I'm a, either, a fellow Sloan Ranger. Yeah. Either, I, I honestly, this is kind of not off tangent or off topic, but I honestly think she's kind of close to retirement. I don't. I, I mean, she's what, a year away from 30? So. Yeah, I don't see her being one of those, I'm 30 plus out here giving it my all. No. Especially with the fact that she's already won her Grand Slam, got to one more final. She may not be in the Hall of Fame, but I, I feel like for her and her goals, she's done, a, she's done some pretty incredible things. So, Totally. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, and then in that, uh, still in this Christ, you give a quarter, we have number five seed, Contavit, who, again, is somebody who, I, you know, I love Contavit. I, I, I love Annette Contavit. I, I feel like I willed her into the top ten. But ah. at Grand Slams, that's traditionally not where she's played her best tennis. She has a couple of fourth rounds and one quarterfinal. She got to the fourth round of the fringe in 2018, so she knows how to play on, on the clay. It's just hard to bank on her because um, she's rangy. She, she, could, she, could lose yeah. to, she could lose to somebody ranked below her, or she could beat somebody ranked above her. It's just, it's just kind of one of those things with Contavit. Um, I will say, though, looking at this section of the draw, do you know who my, my eyes go to? And I probably just jinxed all of her chances. Uh, um, Coco. Yep. Coco, <laughs> is the, she's defending quarterfinal points. And if she wants to, and if her, if her serve, oh, I'm crossing my fingers, if her serve and her forehand don't completely let her down, she could be back in the quarterfinals of this tournament. She could. The movement, the she's athleticism, totally yeah. she's, like, she's not a traditional clay player. But she knows her way around the court. For, for an 18-year-old, you know, like, <laughs> she's, pretty, she's pretty darn good. She's, she's, 18, yeah. she's 18 seed and 18 years old. So she's doing something good, and she faces a qualifier, Rebecca Marino in the first round, only to get Allison Van Udvank, who's done nothing, and then Ann Lee, who hasn't played on clay at all this season. So, and then Great she's... Chances. She's next to, like, the next, the next highest seed next to her is Muguruza, who's had a terrible season. She just lost, terrible, to, yeah. she's lost to Trevisan, who's, a next, who's, who's scrub adjacent as well, in the, first round, in, the, in the second round of Rabat. In the, in the first round of this tournament, she gets Kaya Kanepi. Like, Kanepi, <laughs> if Kanepi does nothing, she's going to show up and take out a seed at a, at a Grand Slam. That's what she's known for. That's what she's known for. She's been to the quarterfinals of every Grand Slam and the French Open twice. So, poor, poor Muguruza. It doesn't look good for her at all. At all. At all. Uh, and then just rounding out the women's draw is the quarter with Maria Chikoki, or Chikoki. Oh, I really want to not call Maria Sakari that because, you know, I've been, I've been pretty when – did, when did I mention Sakari to you? I feel like yeah, I've been a three, four years ago. At this point. Yeah, I've been a fan of her since she played Venus at the U.S. Open, 
And I'm like, okay, I can see it. Like, you know, strong ponytail, like crimson chin. I like it. Like I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. But when, when Ooh. things get, when things get tight, those shoulders of hers get even tighter. She was up six, one, five, two against Anjabur in Rome and still lost the match. I don't see it. I don't see how it happens. And she was up. I think she was up six, one, five, two, thirty. Love. <laughs> it wasn't oh, like no. it wasn't like Anjabur. It just kind of like snapped. It was just like soccer. just got tight. And that was a, that was a spot for the semis, I believe. Like that's not even the final of Rome. It's like the soccer, like what do you mean? Uh, but but I will say this section of the draw. Just let me just just saying the names in this section of the draw. All of these are names that could potentially meet before the fourth round of Roland Garros. Soccer, Mukova, a, a former semifinalist at the Australian Open. Donna Muhova. Beckett. Muhova. Did I say Muhova, Mukova, something, whatever. Mukova. Mukova. <laughs> uh, Donna Vekic, who qualified, who's, who's you know, a, a former talented-ish player. Uh, Naomi Osaka, who's unseated, who faces Anissa Mova in the first round. That's the women's popcorn match of the first round matchups. Oh, and that's the rematch of Australian Open. Yep. O- Osaka lost to Anissa Mova, and she had a match point in Australia, third round. Mm-hmm. Is it me or is it Anissa Mova the favorite in that matchup? Yeah, she is. I have Anissa Mova going far if she can if she can navigate this very tricky section because I wasn't even done I wasn't even done saying the names. That's crazy. Fernandez, Leila Fernandez in this section, Bianca Andrescu, and Belinda Bencic. Belinda Bencic and Andrescu could meet second round. Sign me up for that. Wow. And that's a former U.S. Open semifinal matchup. Tough, tough, tough section, honestly. Any one of those names could be could come through and get that quarterfinal spot. Any one of those names. That's a very stacked section. Yep. If you could pick a name, yeah. who, who would you want to see come through to get to that quarterfinal? I'd give it to Annie Samova. I'm with that. If, yeah. it's, if it's not Annie Samova, I'd like it to be Andrescu. Eh. <laughs> I'm, I'm still ready. salty about 2019. <laughs> I'm ready for Andres. Oh, listen, if Serena's not going to be in the mix, we can at least have one of the people that have have some star potential in the mix. Andres who has it. She does to me. She does. She does. I like her. She. I mean, you know, I wish she played more, but she comes in with five match wins on the clay. She got. She she did pretty good at Madrid and Rome and Stuttgart. So you know. That's better than what she used to be. She, I mean, we, she, she's using her protected ranking because that's how low in the ranking she is. But um, right. we'll see. Un, kind of an unknown quantity in Andrescu, but she is trending back up in a positive direction. And then the last section of the women's draw is anchored by number six seed, Anz Jabour, who's having the season of her life. She got to the final of Charleston. She got to the – she won Madrid, and she got to the final of Rome. She won – she almost won Rome and Madrid. If you get that, then you get that. You didn't even laugh at that, Brian. I'm so offended. <laughs> you say you get that what? If you get it, she, she almost won Rome and Madrid. Almost won Rome. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. Iconic press conference. 
She did really well. She went Roma Madrid. <laughs> Which actually yeah. is not a good omen for Ange DeBoer. Because Ange, although I love her, she almost has some... Um, it's interesting that that matchup with Sakari happened because Ange DeBoer is not the most clutch player either. Her record in finals... Right, the Chiefs lost in Charleston. Yep, her record in finals is not great. She should have won that Charleston title against Benchich. I mean, she had a respectable loss against Wiatek in their own final. But even in the final she won against Jessica Pagula in Madrid, she lost... She got a baby. Yeah, she lost second set, six love. So, like, she, she goes on walkabouts a la Venus Williams. She goes, like, just completely, like, what, just what are you doing? Like, <laughs> but when she's, when she's checked in, there aren't too many more... There's not too many more exciting players on the tour, honestly. Right. So I, I, I hope she does well. She faces Magdalene in the first round. Uh, lurking, and I mean like a low, low lurk, is number 32 seed Petra Kvitova, who's not had a good season at all. Uh, yeah. Um, and then uh, this is a good, a good name to end the draw on. Emirata Kanu. She's the number 12 seed. She faces a qualifier from the Czech Republic in the first round. Um, not a bad draw for Emirata Kanu. It's just one of those things where she could beat anybody in, uh, next to her and also lose to anybody because she's so unexperienced. This is her first French Open. She's only played right. like three clay court tournaments in her career or four maybe. And then she just retired from the match she was playing against Andrescu at Rome. She retired after the first set because uh, of a back issue. So a little bit of an unknown. You said what? I said, yeah, not looking great. Not looking great, but this is not a bad draw for a player that doesn't come in with a whole bunch of confidence, you know? Right. So yeah, I agree with that. I could honestly see her, like, you know, finding some form and finding her way in the fourth round. I mean, it'd be good for women's tennis, though, because, I mean, if she loses early, the narrative is still going to continue that, oh, she was a flop and the U.S. Open was a fluke and she's not a top player and all that stuff. So I'd like to see her do well because, again, kind of similar to Andrescu, she does have – I mean – she has an it factor. She just does. She does. She like she has it. So uh, that's the one. That's each section of the women's draw each quarter. Who do you see in the finals of the tournament? Um, I mean, you can't not see Iga there. Yep. Um, I mean, it'd be very hard not to. It would just be she would just have to have like the nerves of her life, and her opponent would have to play the match of her life. So those two things would both have to happen for me to see her lose this tournament. Um, is, is Anissa Mova in the bottom or the top half? She's in the bottom. I've, yeah, she's in that section. She's in that section. Why are we on the same page? She's in that <laughs> section of soccer. Because I was like, I can see Anissa Mova making this final. I really could. If she gets I to that see section. I like Anissa Mova or a Coco. I would love if Coco made her first final. Love. That would be nice. It'd be very nice. I, I could see either of those happening. Anisimova, Coco, or... Um, is JPEG in the bottom or the top? She is top. She's on the top. She's on the top. Yeah. Anisimova... And what about Jabor? Jabor's on the bottom. So if, if, if it's not Coco or Anisimova, I'd go Jabor. But all yeah, three of I all three of them are going to have their hands full with Swiatek if she gets to the final. Yep, that's we are literally on the same wavelength. Yep, 
And if it's not Swiatek, I feel like Danielle Collins deserves another shot at a Grand Slam because she was so close to taking that second set to a uh, to a third set at, at Australia. I don't know. It'd be something I, I, I haven't. I always... give it to Pagula. I give it to Pagula. Okay, that's that's okay. That's why Collins has had her shot. She had her shot. <laughs> Collins is definitely not the most um, easily digestible person. But her nice game, her game is good. Her game is good. I, I have to call a thing a thing. She made. She yeah. she does. I don't. She's not a Karen, but some things that she does gives off semi Karen energy. Um, but yeah. she's also entertaining at the same time. So I feel all kind of ways about Danielle Collins. I do. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's another besides but besides Iga being the dominating force. It's another up in the air tournament. There's like at least five or six more names that could that could easily win this title or at least do well and get to the final. So, um, yeah. that's the women's draw, ladies and gentlemen. Is there anything? Can't believe it's a couple, what two three days away. Sunday it starts Wait, Sunday May twenty second. Oh, um, well, I didn't mention this when talking about Sviatek, but she is uh, the first. This is the first time she's competing as world number one and the world and the number one seed at a, at a Grand Slam. She's on a twenty eight match winning streak, and if she wins the tournament, she would equal the longest winning streak on the women's tour since Venus Williams at thirty four. So that's what she has on the line. So when we're talking about nerves, we're talking about all of those right. different things. So, oh, I forget that this is the major that uh, that starts on a Sunday for people who live in the states. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, Sunday wait, or, start day. Or does it start on Sunday in France too? It's it's Sunday in France. France is only six hours difference from uh, Eastern Standard Time. So it's Sunday. Oh, yeah, I forget you're only six. For me, it's nine. I'm so far behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coverage for me. Coverage. Wait, coverage starts for you at what time? Nine nine a.m. Uh, or eight. I think earlier than that. What time does it start for it you? It starts. It's 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 five Eastern Standard Time for me. Well, according to what Tennis Channel said. It said coverage on Sunday starts five east. That might not be first ball, but coverage starts five Eastern. So if coverage starts oh, five a.m. Eastern, maybe first ball is at six. You know, the opening day they have to do like those packages and all that stuff. You know. So that's three a.m. for me. <laughs> oh, it's even early. Wait, is it? Yeah, if it's six a.m. for you, I'm I'm three a.m. So the French Open isn't good uh, television watching on the West Coast is what you're saying. Yikes. If you are West Coast, French Open is not great. <laughs> yikes. Yikes. Well, I'll be updating you via text messages on all the things that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll wake up to all, to all the updates. I don't, yeah, I don't know why I didn't think about it like that. But the West Coast is, is, is great if you're watching the Australian Open. Ish. I mean, it's, it's better than the East Coast for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of matches are like ending or starting like or like my up all night like we have our highlight matches we start around like midnight like usually watch for like an hour or two and then fall asleep but for you it'd be like three in the morning is when like the good matches are starting last i, I, I did that this year actually i was on i was on hiatus from the podcast but i remember being up all night watching that either the medvedev felix match or the medvedev nadal match hell probably both of them i have a problem yeah. <laughs> Well, it's only two weeks out of the year for four times. Yeah. <laughs> eight weeks out of the year. Eight weeks out of the year where you kind of just dedicate all of your attention to one tournament 
across the world. And you've actually been to the French Open before. Anything that you would tell listeners that are maybe going or want to go? Uh, eat before you get there. <laughs> <laughs> I will say of any like sporting event I've been to, and I've been to many, you know, both in the States and not in the States, not the best food there, which is surprising because France is like, and especially Paris is known for its food, but maybe they just expect people to eat before because it, it was like Subway box lunches with like the vibe it was giving. Maybe Amelie Moresmo can step it up. She's tournament director now, maybe. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's really cool. Uh, the ground, it's a very, it's very intimate grounds and it sits in a very residential area. So like literally you have a tennis court here and like across the street, you have like someone's house. Like it's very, very, very residential. So that's something that you don't necessarily see from watching on TV. Um, so it is kind of cool just seeing how it's like literally like smack dab in the city of Paris, whereas like U.S. Open is a little bit removed out in Queens. Like you don't really have houses nearby or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Um, I do have a couple friends going. Excited for them. Um, It'll probably be the last Grand Slam I attempt to go to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, Australia is a trek. Australia is definitely a flight. But Australia, you have to plan for because Australia yeah. is so far away. It's probably the most expensive flight, but I might try for Australia 2023 because it it might be Serena's last one. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Christ! <laughs> so I, I might have to try for Melbourne 2023. I need to start planning for I'll, it now. I'll record it on my DVR. I'm not going to Melbourne next year. <laughs> I'm not. Sorry, Serena. I love you. I love you dearly, but. I'm not going. What do you think Serena's going to play Wimbledon? I think she allegedly, will. allegedly, she said. Allegedly, she <laughs> I think she will. I with no, she with will. no points. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, she's definitely not playing the French Open, so we know that. Oh well. Yeah, definitely. Something. I, I will say though, to say that Serena Williams has been the force that she's been. This is probably one of the t- the few times I can look at a draw and not immediately say, where the hell is Serena? There's, there's some interesting storylines going into this draw. So the women's tennis is slowly picking up some steam to like have a successful post-Serena era. Slowly, slowly. Maybe. <laughs> there's, some, there's some names that if they get going... I'd be interested to follow. I'm, I'm I'm already interested in following WTA week to week, but like like excited to talk about it, or more excited to talk about it. There's a couple of play- like if Bedosa and Goff and Raducanu and Andrescu all start like picking up big tournaments. That's exciting to me. We'll see if they can, <laughs> they can sustain it. <laughs> and not just be like, oh, two weeks out of the year, I play my best tennis. Like, no, like, I want to see you in the yeah. semis in the, or at least right. the quarters, you know? So um, right. anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, I feel like this major kind of snuck up on me, but I'm excited. I mean, I guess I will... I'll be out of town for the first week of the Open, so I'll be watching from, like, ooh, I just realized I don't think my hotel's going to have a tennis channel. <sighs> they make it hard to watch. Fire stick. 
I'm going to bring my fire stick and plug in my fire stick. Hopefully it works um, and, and get that way. But I do have tennis channel on my fire stick. So fingers crossed. They make it so hard to watch tennis. Bring back the days of ESPN covering all four Grand Slams and then right. a little USA coverage, TNT, NBC. Everything's right. behind that damn tennis channel paywall, and they are not budget <laughs> or making it more accessible at all. Unless there's like a unless there's a USTA code. Um never mind. Off topic. Um, there's a, you, the USDA emailed me and was like, hey, use this code for a percentage off of Tennis Channel Plus. And I was like, oh, look at them trying to make tennis a little, a, a tad bit more accessible. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the French Open gets started May 22nd. Hopefully, this podcast is not out of date by the time you listen to it. Hope I'm going to get to editing it as soon as I can. <laughs> and uh, watch the French Open. Interact with me and Brian. Uh, Brian, what's your Instagram handle? Brian M. as in Matthew Hudson. Brian M. Boom. Hudson. Very original. Um, yes. And I mean, you, you should know my Missing Point Pod. Um, if you see anything in the French Open and want to have a conversation, feel free to uh, hit us a message on Instagram and uh, we can talk some French Open tennis because that's what we like to talk about. So, well, tennis in general, not necessarily the French Open. It's like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, friend, for hopping on the podcast with me. Um, hopefully, this is an interesting yeah. two weeks, and there's some matchups that we won't forget. I hope so. Hope so. Cheers to that. All righty. <laughs>